find ourselves again joining our three adventurers as each of them finds their way for one reason or another towards the town of Air, a mining town surrounded by mountains, aside from its southern entrance in which is a great wall built of ice and stone that stands as tall as two men with one single entry. And as each of our heroes make their way towards the town, they see a line passing through, people with carts, with wares to flog at the festival to come, and each of them traveling from different directions, as if brought together by fate, find themselves all stood near each other in this slow-moving queue. A dusk runner, an executioner, and a runaway winter elf. Alfred would probably uh, try not to appear like he's looking at this elf, because especially one that's like, pretty sure that's a young elf. Uh, that's just kind of out of place from his experience. So it'd be one of those things where he's like trying not to look, but it's obvious that he's looking because he's not that, he doesn't have guile like that. He's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think uh, Sorsha has enough presence of mind to have like thrown a hood on over herself and she's pretty well covered, but it's one of those uh, big like triangular hoods that sort of hangs out. She definitely looks out of place by posture because she's just sort of looking around a bit overwhelmed by the new sights and just trying to get her bearings whilst also looking like she's meant to be here and not looking guilty at all. A gentleman behind you, a little shorter than all of you, aside from perhaps Sorsha, as they seem to be a human with light brown hair, pale skin with freckles and some deep brown eyes. And their hair's a little messy and they seem to have just removed a big fluffy hat and are wearing very thick clothing that whilst it looks practical, all of you know the actual quality of it isn't that good. A Middlelander, it seems. Someone from the Commonwealth. And he looks over at all of you and simply states, Oh, um, so you're all locals, are you? Yes, of course. <clears throat> I am from around. Around, right. Is that, is, that a, is that a northern village? or It is most of them. I don't have a <clears throat> home as it is. Oh, oh, oh a, a nomad. Very well. That makes much more sense than a naming convention which would consist of people calling places uh, round. He says as he looks over all of you and, and sees the expressions of just blankness and awkwardly lets out a little laugh. <laughs> um, so, uh, winter, winter festival, right? Um, how, how is it? Have you been before? I've heard good things. No. <laughs> I do not go to the towns that much. This your first time? Yes, yes it is, actually. Um, I'm from further down south in the, in the Midlands, the great city of Avarius. Um, I'm a trader, he says, kind of patting his mule on the side. You've come a long way. I have, yes. Uh, it's, it's been quite a, quite a month or so of travel. I've lost track of much of the time, but the, the wares, luckily, are not exactly as expirable, so that works out. I've always wanted to come to the north, so I thought Winter Festival, it's, it's, it's a good time. Karis will adjust the belt that keeps her great axe on her back and kind of just shift because we've been standing here a while. Well, um, festival's a pretty good time. I've only been once before, a long time ago, but um, it's, a, it's a good time. It's a mighty big axe you have. It's uh, real dangerous up north, you know, 
bears. Yes, yes, we lost at least seven people to, to bears, wolves and the like. Horrible. Very dangerous roads. It's not the same where I'm from. Are you not accustomed to travel? Well, yes, but in the Midlands, it's it's much... You don't have bears? No, they stick to the woods normally. Um, you see, we have we have very established roads and, and not much of the wildlife goes near them. Um, mostly problems of the bandits, but not quite that big bears. I've seen bears bigger than a man, but not bigger than three. They're called dire bears. Oh, yes. You'll get used to them. You, you get used to them? He says, his, his voice pitching up. If you survive. Oh, um, yes, delightful. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll stay here for, for a while. Um, for the winter's harsh here, he says, as the line begins to move forward slightly. That it is. Perhaps I will find you and tell you many roads to go back. Safer roads. That would be amazing. I. It would be nice to get back before, of course, the turn of the season. But hopefully it will go well here. Um, I hope. You know, people may like the goods. What are your goods? I'm glad you asked. He goes over and he sort of peels back the sheet cover that's on the top of it. And inside you see what looks to be some very interesting clothing. Um, It's what is currently in fashion in the Midlands. And there are different colours that aren't quite as sort of dull and toned down as you're used to in the North. There are reds, there's purples, um, deep blues... He seems to be bringing different types of clothing for different occasions, all tailored. And uh, he also seems to be bringing what looks to be different fancy-looking leather sheaths for blades. And, like, mostly these. Um, I hear you don't get much of, of this sort of, of clothing up here. Uh, so I thought, good market, um, possibly. Sorsha's on this immediately and leaning way in <laughs> to look at all of this. Uh, she sort of reaches for one of the items of clothing to hold it up. Yeah, you do, and it looks very pretty. I have never seen a colour like this before. Oh, yes, that's purple. Oh. It's very popular with the nobles. It's so bright. It's like a flower. It is, yes. Um, It's kind of where they fashion it from, um, as far as it goes, he says, and kind of puts it back. But yes, clothing. It's uh, luckily all kept. Not much of it's been stolen, so he says as the line moves again. Not much of it. Do you have a problem with thieves? Well... Yes. See, not everybody on the caravan, so to speak, is very, um, <laughs> above board. Some of them like to hake from what they're protecting. Uh, above board? What does that mean? It's normal, where I come from. <laughs> well, you can lose a hand for that around here, so they should be careful. You should pay them more. P- paying them more sounds sounds good, but I use a lot of my money to come here. You know, it's it's very hard to find caravans willing to go to the north. Yes, yes. Mostly those that won't... Not to be found. Hence, thieves. That makes a lot of sense. And it's at this time that you all get pushed towards the gates, these sort of very wide, open-looking gates, with multiple members and guards on duty. Unlike much of the rest of the northern clans who wear leathers, hide furs, um, the people of Ayr seem to fashion armor out of metals, and um, you see some of them wearing a combination of leather and metal on them from uh, breastplates and the like, but with harder leather underneath and around, keeping their maneuverability that they need so badly. 
How does this compare to what I'm used to seeing? <laughs> what you're used to seeing is cloth and leather, and that's it. You don't really use much metal. Uh, there is certain metals you form, which is, of course, how you get your blades, your weapons, your arrowheads. Uh, a lot of bone is used as well, but the manner in which you forge it is very different. Sure. She's probably, she's quite distracted by that as these guards uh, come closer into view. She's just sort of staring incredulously at this completely unwieldy looking stuff they're wearing. Karis is fidgeting a bit as they get closer to the gate, pulling her sleeves down a bit more over her hands, adjusting her hood, throwing her cape over her axe. Alfred. Going into a city, it's kind of nervous, so the fact that this merchant is actually talking to him, since he's usually a bit of an outsider, he's actually kind of latching onto that. And so he, he just kind of turns to this guy and, and, and basically is like, you have good craftsmanship, but um, I would focus on the city-born nobles. No one who walks the wilds would wear this. I hate to be blunt, but I'm pretty sure that those that were killed were probably wearing brighter colors. Things in nature are drawn to that. That would make sense. We did have an ex-court jester that was coming up north, and he insisted on wearing his uniform, but... Well, he wasn't laughing. No, you're never laughing at the end. <laughs> well, that's... I don't know if that was a joke, but it was quite, quite amusing. And the line moves forward as the two of you at the front, Karis, Sorcia, you're met by two guards at the front. They both seem armed, but friendly. And they look at you both and nod, suspiciously at you at first, Sorja. And they look at your massive axe, Karis. And they look between each other. So, I'm assuming that's for woodcutting, says the older one of the two as he smiles at you slightly. Uh, that and bears. Woodcutting and bearcutting. Makes sense. Then it all seems to check out for me. Go on through. And remember, when you're in there, don't go drawing your axe. If you do, you might get stabbed or worse, shot. Yes, of course, just stays back here. <laughs> well, it looks like the kind of thing that wouldn't draw quickly, so we'll, we'll assume it won't do. You'll be safe in there, and you and your daughter. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Karis just doesn't say anything. She just kind of lets out a breath, like, we'll be very careful, yeah. And as you walk through, you do hear a bit of talk behind you as the guy goes, they're having them younger and younger nowadays. I tell you. Karis yeah, is only about you know, 19, 20, so. <laughs> Sorsha is 17, but she's also five feet tall. <laughs> Sorsha will wait till they're out of earshot and then kind of look over like, sorry if that was awkward. I just, I didn't want to say anything. You seemed uh, a bit nervous. Um, you, you know, that that actually worked out. I was sort of afraid of what they were going to ask me if they um, noticed or wanted to wonder why I was by myself. Yeah, there's something a bit different about you. I can't quite put my finger on it. Just the, the, the snow got all up on my face and <laughs> I just uh, haven't had a chance to... I'm Karis, by the way. Uh, I'm... Long, awkward pause as she decides if she should give her real name. <laughs> I'm Mary. Sticks out her hand awkwardly. Carousel, firmly grasp your hand. It's a it's a strong shake. Um, and you would notice that uh, even though she tried to kind of pull her sleeves down a bit, there is a, a scar in the shape of an eye on the back of her hand. That is quite a grip you've got. Uh, she's returning with decent enough uh, firmness. Not a lot of strength. Her hands are small, but she's got sort of wi wiry arms under the, the fur and the armor. 
Thanks. Do a lot of physical labor. And as you say that, we'll find our way back to the gate as Alfred and the trader walk up. He looks at you both and lingers on you for a second as the guard sort of takes in what you are, your wolf. Oh. So I uh, imagine you're uh, looking after the caravan then, lad. He says looking at you, Alfred. Well, in the sense that I look over all those who travel the north, yes, but uh, I've only known him a short time. Hey, you can tell him what's your name then, sir. He says looking at your companion currently. Oh, um, yes, of course. Um, the name is Connor. Uh, Connor Vane. Ah, not a name from around here, then. And I'm looking forward to what you're bringing. But, uh, if the Waywatcher is with you, when you can pass, there's no way I'd like to ever stop one of the uh, Dusk Runners. The Watcher's looking good upon you, lad. Alfred just kind of nods uh, a thanks. I'll see you around, Connor. He'll go in through, uh, through the gate. And you do so, and as you walk in, all of you, actually, now taking in your surroundings a little, you see stone houses with wood built into them. Very stocky built, and very blocky, but they seem very well constructed. There is an air of almost non-human construction about them. And as you look, could you all give me a common knowledge check, please? I mean, you subtract one from that, because I'm oblivious. Okay, so you fail, Zaris, due to you being oblivious. Alfred, you easily succeed. You've been around the roads, you've seen a lot. Even you, Sorsha, you notice this building style because you've only heard of it in legends. There seems to be a heavy dwarven influence on the structures. The way the stones are placed so symmetrically throughout the construction the way that the builds are slightly shorter in stature and yet seem very strong, very sturdy, like they could stand many seasons and many storms. You see the many humans walking around in here in more fashionable clothing than would usually be the fair in the north, wearing their ceremonial clothes, you could say, less furred and much more of cotton. Small foxes, small creatures that they sort of adorn themselves with and bone of good kills that they fashion into ornaments. And as you look around, you see many of these northern folk mixed with what seems to be people from the Midlands who have come on a visit, dressed in very different clothing, much less suited for the weather. But more than that, the swell of music deeper within the town hits your ears, and the smell of food, of spiced meats, of stews washes over all of you. At this point, coming through the gate, um, Alfred would kind of look around, wondering where to start first, and see maybe the human and the uh, the obvious elf trying not to look like an elf. Pardon me. And he he's looking at Zaris. Are you from around here? I'm looking for a um, family. Oh, um, I'm from further up north, uh, Clan Bleakbone. Heard tale of them. I've been to uh, this town before, though. Well, then perhaps you can help me. We can try. I'm looking for a family with the uh, sigil of two hammers and a pickaxe. As you hear this, images flash in your mind of seeing people similar. They visited your village when you were younger. They came with money, with oars. Could you please give me a very quick common knowledge check? So, that's a one. 
no. Karis is just happy someone's talking to her right now. So many people have talked with her in the past ten minutes. It probably been in the past year. You remember that family sigil? The dead family. You're sure you executed the rest of them? You think? Um, we've seen the sigil before. Don't think there's a whole lot of them left alive. But we can check. Yes, well, there is one less even now, so I must find them. Did you, or did you just, what is it, was it a fire? I, you see his uh, kind of, he, he already has like pretty pale skin, pretty fair skin, right? But you actually see him go a shade paler when you say, you know, was it a bear? Uh, no, I, um, I happened upon, um, someone on the road. I only found a ring. Right. I'm trying to at least, uh, see that, uh, the knowledge is passed to next of kin. Sorsha, looking at the man, you saw that paleness. You saw that reluctance almost and finding a way around. And you don't even need to make a notice check, as you know that something about the way he said that it runs through your mind that maybe the same creatures that you're looking for are the ones that he's seen. Pardon, what happened to the body? Well, I had been tracking animals, dead, not eaten, but taken apart, almost like sport. I followed a trail and found a young boy, probably 17. His face was gone. Not ripped off, but skinned. <sighs> Something terrible did this, I'm sure. And there was the smell. What did you smell? There was a smell of sulfur. And as you hear the word sulfur, you're thrown back into a memory. You remember yourself running through the snows, step after step, crunching in it. As always does, but these stood out almost like somebody ringing a hammer off of a gong next to your ear. You could hear your heart thumping as you saw a distant mass in the snow. You saw red. You went to see it, and when you did, you saw a creature butchered horribly, but cleanly. You saw bones sliced with no break. You saw a mess, almost like it had toyed with the thing. No predator would do this. They'd eat. This wasn't eaten. And it's next to that that you smelt sulfur. And you saw one of the single reminders that your teacher had been here. And you followed. Your heart hammering in your chest so hard that your ears were filled with that beat. And you finally saw it. His bow. Blood nobody and that smell and now you smell spiced meats and the cold is far less harsh and you stand across from these two people I know what they are I have seen I've seen what you're talking about you have seen the creature or have you seen its effects everything you described sounds the same I told them they wouldn't believe me <laughs> please child he says this even though you can look at him and he's only like early 20s, but he does have like a a worldliness about him mm -hmm. that he seems older than he actually is. Please tell me, did you actually see it? I have only heard tale. I have not seen it. I'm, But this is what I'm looking for. 
No, I just have signs of what they did. I think my teacher saw them. I think he's looking for them. He, he left his bow behind. And she sort of shrugs a little. She kept that bow and did not bring it back with her uh, to show the council. She kept it for herself, and that is the bow that she's left with. You say that your teacher is looking? I'm sure he must be. He wouldn't leave a, a threat like that un, unaccounted for. I'm, uh, and he realizes his social protocols, I'm Alfred, by the way. I am a dusk runner. Now the two of you here, this, even you, Zorsha, you know of the dusk runners. You know that the other scouts of the Winter Elves do sometimes meet them. They sometimes talk with them. They're friendly folk, useful, helpful. They're people who roam this land. They keep the roads as safe as they can, which in the north is not very, but without them, it would be deadly. They help travelers. They hunt things that shouldn't be on the roads. And the same with you, Karis. You've seen them before. You've had some pop through town. You've met them. Noble folk. Karis will give a, like a, a head bow of respect towards Aelfred. It's a pleasure to meet you, Karis. <laughs> Call me Mary. All right. <clears throat> There's an obvious pause before she speaks that name. The fact that she said, call me Mary. <laughs> There's an implied like, but that's not my name. All right, Mary. I have a question. You are from, and he kind of looks under the hood, but he lowers his voice when he says this. You are from the Winter Courts. There's a, long, a, a little tug to pull her hood down ever so slightly more to shadow those bright violet eyes and a quick look about in either direction and her eyes sort of briefly go to Karis. Like a slow dawn of realization comes over Karis as she's like, that's what was on. Dawning, but slowly <laughs> dawning. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> um, yes. Have you ever known your master to be without his bow? No, of course not. None of us ever would be. And you see um, a look kind of come over Alfred's face. <sighs> These beasts. No, 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 not beasts. Fiends. My mentor told me of them. There's something you should know about the body I found. His face was taken because these fiends, they take the face in the guise of those they kill. Uh, what are you... I found his bow. I did not find his body. <laughs> are they... Have they been known to snatch whole people before? B bodies? If you are impersonating someone, you don't want their body found. He's far too good for that. He would not have been caught unawares by something like this. I know that. And it's as they mention they would take whole bodies. Karis, you're thrown back into a simpler time. And young girl, you were innocent almost back then. And you remember the scream. You remember the blood-curdling scream that came from just outside of your window. And as you looked out, you saw something. Something that shouldn't be. It was almost like a human, but the limbs were wrong. The legs too long. The feet clawed. The flesh a strange color and slick with some sort of liquid that glistened in the moonlight. 
and you remember the hand of it against your own mother's head, clasping the entire thing in one clawed hand, and her scream as it ran, dragging her through the snow. And you remember your father looking for her, looking all night, and your fear being left in there, your terror alone after what you saw in him returning, his face pale in the morning, unable to find her. You remember him drinking, and you remember him listening to what you said and telling you it's fine. But you remember that no one ever listened to your father or you, and you're back in that town with these two people who told you that what you saw was real. So they're, they're real then? You know what these things are? I saw something years ago. They took me mum. It wasn't human. Like they took the legs of a spider, put claws on the end of it and attached it to a torso. The hands were gestured about how large the hands would be. Moved possibly fast. Strong. Well, it seems like fortune or fate has brought us here. It does not matter the time your mother was taken. The Dusk Runners are a service of justice, and I will see it served. This has been Tales from a Hollow World. The narrator is played by a hollow tale. Karis is played by Laugh Love Lindy. Sorsha is played by Little Cup of Joe. Alfred is played by Pruitt. Composition and musical arrangement by Callan Evans. And editing by Joe M.